Hi, this is Beth Capici and welcome to the Never Perfect Podcast. I'm a psychologist and I believe that embracing the fact that no aspect of life is perfect actually makes us happier and healthier and motivates us to achieve more. It also helps us become more real and compassionate with ourselves and others. In my counseling office, I deal with a little bit of everything. So in this podcast, you'll also probably be hearing a little bit of everything. Not only professional advice, but also some of my favorite and least favorite personal stories. I'm also going to be interviewing people who are brave enough to share their stories with us. I believe that everyone has a lot to teach and a lot to learn no matter what their background is and in spite of their imperfections. You don't have to be perfect to be inspiring. This is Beth Capici, and I am going to be recording alone today on the topic of ADHD. Finally, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And if you've noticed, the title of my podcast is Never Perfect with an ADHD Psychologist. So I probably should have talked about this sooner since it's kind of a highlight of my podcast in a sense. I have been indecisive about whether that's a great subtitle or not, and I'm still on the fence about that, which is not uncommon for someone with ADHD to be indecisive. I certainly am. Um, But I would like to talk about ADHD because it's a very important topic in the psychological field, and it's also personally relevant for me. So I think I'm going to break this topic up into a few different episodes so that they don't go on too long. And I'm going to use my stream of consciousness and free association to illustrate some of the principles as we go along. If you could see me now, I'm sitting in my office. I have two symptom checklists in front of me. I have two articles in front of me and several lists and lots of notes and scribblings. So this is kind of how the ADHD brain works. And most disorders, including ADHD, have so many strengths along with the so many weaknesses. So I think I'm going to break these up into episodes such as one would be more content, more symptoms, more sort of medical and psychological information, such as the checklist, the definition of ADHD and what it is. And then I'd also like to have an episode that's more about client examples and maybe some personal examples and my personal journey with ADHD, kind of when I got diagnosed and how it affects me on a daily basis. And then I would love to share some new information that I'm reading about as I prepared for this podcast. So it's been really good for me. I don't have a lot of time to research things like this because I'm so busy in my clinical practice and then 
with my husband and three kids and, you know, trying to just do all the normal life stuff. So anyway, I will try to stay focused <laughs> and keep things a little bit separate as I kind of organize my thoughts because there are, you know, about a hundred things I want to say. So there's my intro. <laughs> I am alone today. I think I already said that. But um, basically, psychologists use a diagnostic manual called the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual to diagnose mental health disorders. And the core feature of ADHD is a dislike of or avoidance of tasks that require sustained mental effort. So, you know, some of the hallmarks are things like procrastination, avoiding things that require a lot of concentration, trouble sustaining your focus, and, you know, not finishing tasks, being forgetful, having trouble with organization, and things like that. So a big confusing piece of ADD or ADHD is that some people have just the inattention part, which is necessary to warrant a diagnosis. You have to have the inattention or the difficulty focusing to get this diagnosis, but you don't have to have the hyperactivity and the impulsivity to have a diagnosis. So that might resolve some confusion about what, why some people call it ADD and some people call it ADHD. It doesn't really matter too much, but it is important to know whether you have the hyperactivity piece. So I actually do have ADHD and in adults, it certainly looks different than children. Children, you know, when they're kids, they have trouble sitting in their seat and they climb around and they might look very hyper. Um, and both kids and adults have trouble waiting in line, uh, waiting for their turn, kind of like an impatience thing. I actually really hate waiting in lines. I think one of my greatest strengths and weaknesses is I hate wasting time. And it kind of drives me crazy when I feel like I'm wasting time. So that's one of the reasons that I hate waiting in line. Um, I mean, literally, I know most people don't like lines, but some people it's like drives them to the brink of insanity. So, um, and then, you know, just restlessness. I play with my hair a lot. I always have. I see a lot of clients in my office who are constantly bouncing their leg or fidgeting. And that's why sometimes schools allow chairs that you can rock in or playing with like a ball or playing with yarn or something that allows you to fidget because ironically it can really help you focus mentally when you can fidget physically. So um, I really do want to tell you about my personal journey with ADHD, but I feel like it might be better to read off some of the symptoms first. So here is an adult ADHD self-report scale or a symptom checklist. And you can definitely easily Google and find a lot of adult or children self-report scales. But um, so let me just kind of read these. I'll try to be quick. They break it down into sort of two parts. And 
I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll kind of tell you which part I'm reading. So they want you to rate the following items based on if they happen very often or never. And it's things like, how often do you have trouble wrapping up the details of a project or finishing a project after the big parts or the challenging parts have been done? And for me, this is a lot of books. I'll read a book and say, oh my goodness, this book is amazing. I've read three or four chapters and then I never finish them. And I recommend them to friends or clients. And, and then I have to tell them I've only read three chapters. And even though I really love the book, I just never finished. Um, then how often do you have difficulty getting things done in order when you have to do a task that require, requires organization? I had a psychiatrist uh, that I used to work in the same office with say that people with ADHD have trouble breaking things down into steps. So they kind of see the big picture, but breaking it down is really hard. And for that reason, I found paper writing extremely difficult as I was growing up and in school. Because a lot of paper writing involves organizing and coming up with main themes and paragraphs and conclusions and summaries and things like that. How often do you have trouble remembering appointments or obligations? And a lot of us develop strategies if we know we don't have a great memory. I use my cell phone alarm constantly because I realized that I would potentially forget if I didn't have notes or cell phone alarms going off or a schedule. Um, if you can keep up with your day timer, um, <laughs> this is kind of funny. And I've talked to so many people that have ADHD that can relate. I have the best intentions of, you know, planners or calendars or day, day timers or whatever you want to call them. And I have lost so many over the years and then I'll go find them and I might just change the year because I've only used it for a month and I'll just kind of go back and sort of change the calendar so I don't waste it. And then of course I lose it again. It ends up in a pile or I bring things back and forth from work to home and then I can't remember where it is and I kind of want it both places. I actually had a client who had this brilliant idea because she likes lists, but she can't keep up with them. And she wanted to create a bracelet type of thing or wristband that holds a notepad on it, a little mini notepad so that she couldn't lose it and she could attach it to her body. And I think I laughed a little too hard because I thought that was so clever and brilliant and funny when she told me about it um, and I could relate to it. So um, next one, when you have a task that requires a lot of thought, how often do you avoid or delay getting started? So if something seems really complicated or overwhelming or not fun, a lot of people with ADHD just avoid it until the very last minute. And at some point I'll read a really neat article segment that talks about this and kind of why that works. But <clears throat> one of the theories that I've always had about this that makes a lot of sense, the treatment of choice for ADHD is stimulant medication. Typically that's, I guess, considered to be the most proven or most effective treatment. And when I thought about it, procrastination leads to eventual panic, <laughs> which is very stimulating. You know, um, 
I countless times waited on a paper, especially until like the night before. I would delay it, delay it, delay it, be overwhelmed. And almost, I would say 90% of the time, I would do it the night before. I would start like at six o'clock. If the, if the paper was due at eight o'clock the next morning, I would start at 6 p.m. the night before and stay up all night um, and pull all-nighters. My roommate and I had many funny stories. We both did this and <laughs> I didn't have a car, but she did. But we would race in her car to um, the school building at like 7.58 a.m. Or if the paper was due by 5 p.m. that day, she would race us in her car to <laughs> drop off the paper with like one minute to go. I mean, I can't even tell you how many times that happened. So, um, but that procrastination eventually leads to that adrenaline rush of, oh my goodness, I have eight hours to do a 10 page paper. And then you just crank it out and you don't do your best work and you don't have time to edit it or revise it or anything. Proofread it. So you're not doing your best work. And that's where your grades don't often affect your ability. And I think that's a really important thing for people with ADHD to realize is, you know, their grades may not really be a good reflection on their capabilities. And so some people with ADHD have lower self-esteem or they doubt their intelligence and underestimate their intelligence. And their teachers may underestimate them if they don't pick up on the fact that they may have ADHD and, you know, oftentimes undiagnosed or untreated ADHD. So, and, and just in case I forget to mention this later, a common misconception with this is that if someone does really, really well in school, I've heard parents and teachers say, well, they can't have ADHD because they have straight A's or they have really good grades. And that is not true. Um, you know, one of the telltale distinctions would be if it's taking you way too long to get your work done, then that could be a sign. Even if you have straight A's, I can remember some students over the years that would say, I'm spending two or three times as much um, actual time on my work than my friends and my grades are really good, but I don't think I should be taking two hours to finish a math assignment or my friends say that only took them 45 minutes to do something. And, you know, that's a problem, like, because you really shouldn't have to spend double the time studying that should be required. So I've seen some really high achieving kids that really benefited from ADHD treatment because they didn't have to spend so much time rereading things or you know, getting distracted and being inefficient when they're studying. Um, so how often do you fidget or squirm with your hands or feet when you have to sit down for a long time? Another kind of symptom of that restlessness or fidgeting or hyperactivity. Another one, how often do you feel overly active and compelled to do things like you were driven by a motor? So ADHD people are notoriously high energy and kind of are on the go as if driven by a motor. Um, and so, you know, have trouble relaxing or kind of being chill. But here's the difficulty with these symptom checklists. And one of the articles I read was talking about this. People don't necessarily 
display their symptoms or traits in the same way. So they're always trying to streamline these symptoms to fit the most people, but ADHD can manifest differently. I mean, there are some ADHD people who are kind of low energy and they might even be couch potatoes. So you can't necessarily say that a trait applies to everyone. That's why most of these diagnostic criteria will say things like, if you meet six out of 10 of these, you probably have it. You don't have to meet 10 out of 10. So, you know, like with depression, you might have to have six out of nine criteria or seven out of 10 to meet criteria for a diagnosis. Okay, so part B, um, that was part A. Part B says, and I'm going to try to go through through these a little quicker, but maybe give you a couple examples as we go. How often do you make careless mistakes when you have to work on a boring or difficult project? That's pretty self-explanatory. Um, but you know, that, that's a big deal when you're doing math and you make a careless mistake. Um, my oldest child was, I was told, and I don't think he has ADHD. I think there's a good chance that all of my kids might have a little bit of it, but he's probably the least. Um, but his teacher, even in kindergarten said that he would rush through his work as if he was in a race to finish. And You know, I think that could have been, um, you know, kind of that rushing could result in careless mistakes. And um, I think anytime you make one small mathematical mistake, it can ruin the answer, even though if you understand it and you get it and you're good at it, but you're just rushing or you're not careful, that can change everything. Um, How often do you have difficulty keeping your attention when you're doing boring or repetitive work? How often do you have difficulty concentrating on what people say to you, even when they are speaking to you directly? This kind of made me laugh um, because as a psychologist, (laughs) the most important thing for me is to be able to really listen and concentrate on what people are saying. So this one does not fit me, thank goodness, or I would not be good at what I do, or I wouldn't be a good fit for what I do. Um, And... I do have trouble listening in a group setting, like if I'm at a school class or church or a presentation and someone's talking to 50 people or 200 people, I get way more distracted. But when I know someone's talking to me, especially at work, I just am very focused. And the other piece of that is knowing that I'm gonna be responding and some things being required of me also helps me. I think if therapy was literally just me listening to recorded sessions where I wasn't in the room with people, I would get more bored because I wouldn't know that they were going to be wanting a response or wanting feedback or wanting um, answers or information. So that helps me a lot to stay on and to stay alert. So, um, in fact, there was a little side quiz that I did this morning and it was a five question self-test which was kind of interesting because it was nowhere near as long as this one and this is a specialist a doctor slash psychiatrist named William Dodson and he gives people kind of this like five question screening so this is a really quick way to kind of get an idea for whether this might fit or not before you take like a longer assessment So his little self-test said, do you have trouble concentrating? And it was longer than this, but 
these were the five topics. Do you have trouble staying in your seat or staying seated when you're supposed to? And do you have trouble relaxing and unwinding? Or do you tend to finish people's sentences? And do you procrastinate? Oh, maybe there was a six. I'm sorry. Um, this one said, do you depend on others to attend to details in your life or organize your life? So I, I am currently working with several individuals who get frustrated with their, their partner. Um, in one case, it's a husband very frustrated with his wife who has ADHD. And then in two other cases that I'm working with right now, it's women who get frustrated with their husbands because they just don't really manage the stuff in their household. And so the wife feels like she has to kind of manage all the details because her husband is kind of oblivious to all that. So um, that is another common feature. So, all right, going back to the longer questionnaire. Um, so finishing people's sentences is kind of funny. I actually do that sometimes. Um, and it's not very frequent in therapy, but hopefully it's pretty well received when I do it because I'm hoping it makes my clients feel like I hear where they're going and I'm following them and tracking them. Um, but almost inevitably, if someone pauses when they're talking, um, whether it's a friend or a client, I tend to want to help them because I think they're struggling to formulate their thoughts. And so I like chime in. So I do do that a little bit, but I hope no one has ever told me and bothered them. But I hope, I hope that's true. Um, how often are you distracted by activity or noise around you? So there's a joke about people in general, but I would imagine this really applies to people with ADHD. They say, Oh, look, there's a squirrel. So being extremely distracted by noise or um, activity, just kind of having trouble tuning out those unnecessary, non-essential noises that are just background noise or, you know, anything like that. Um, trouble staying focused, basically. Then how often do you misplace or have difficulty finding things at home or at work? Whether that be your car keys, your shoes, your phone, um, you know, really just disorganization. Then um, again, how often do you leave your seat in meetings and things like that or classes? How often do you feel restless or fidgety? How often do you have difficulty unwinding and relaxing when you have time to yourself? How often do you find yourself taking, talking too much when you are in social situations? I think there can be a lack of awareness for people with ADHD um, you know, they get excited and they're just talking and they're not noticing, hmm, maybe I am talking too much. Um, we There's an interesting contrast in interpersonal intelligence versus intrapersonal intelligence. And interpersonal would be reading other people well and being intuitive and aware of them and then intrapersonal is your own awareness of yourself and how you come across. And I think that probably ADHD people struggle a bit in how, you know, realizing how they come across. I actually think I'm better, much better at interpersonal intelligence than intrapersonal intelligence. 
And I think that could play into some of the ADHD stuff that I've been reading. It's really fascinating. Um, such as um, people with ADHD, they're indecisive. They have trouble procrastinating. I mean, I'm sorry, prioritizing. Um, I'm thinking too many things at once, which is another trait of ADHD that I read in a very fascinating article. Um, just kind of ADHD people have a little more trouble figuring out out of the five things that could be done, what is the most important? Which one rises to the forefront of your brain in the frontal lobe where you have the executive functioning? And the same psychiatrist I mentioned earlier told me once that people with ADHD are kind of like having this great ship, a huge ship, whether cruise ship, whatever you want to view it as, and they have a great engine, but they don't have a captain. And that executive functioning is lacking. And this article was just talking about how, you know, kind of really sorting through that and scanning through different thoughts or different tasks is hard to go, which one takes precedence or priority. So that's why decision-making can be really difficult for people with ADHD. Okay, just a couple more. Um, when you're in a conversation, how often do you find yourself finishing sentences before they can finish them? And then the last two, how often do you have difficulty waiting your turn in situations where turn taking is required, like traffic? Um, I mentioned lines um, in a store or wherever, Disney, amusement parks. Um, and then the last one, how often do you interrupt others when they are busy? And that's just kind of another version of waiting in line in a sense. I mean, you just have to exercise self-control and not be impulsive. Like I want an answer now. I know this person is on the phone or I know this person is doing something, but I can't wait and I'm impatient. I need an answer now. So that kind of gives you, a, I guess, an overview of what ADHD can look like. And as I mentioned, most of these um, questionnaires will say if you meet, you know, six of nine criteria, then you probably have a positive result. Um, this specific one that I just gave you, part A had six items and part B had 11. Um, and it says in the top part, if four or more marks appear in the darkly shaded boxes, which means that you kind of said often, very often um, type of thing, then that's a positive indicator. And then part B um, said six, let's see. Um, sorry, I'm trying to read this as I, as I tell you. So scoring part A, um, further investigation is warranted. Um, and then part B just provides additional information and further probing into the symptoms. And they just said to pay particular attention to the marks appearing in the darkly shaded boxes. And again, that was mostly the often or very often, but sometimes is, is um, also worth looking into. But if you say never or rarely, then you probably don't have that. So, all right, well, that's um, probably a good little introduction into some of the you know, symptoms and overview. And in the next episode, I will talk more about some client examples and personal examples 
and also read some of the strengths associated with ADHD, which are really fascinating. So I'll be back soon.